Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 15? It almost teaches itself. It's a fairly straightforward story, but the importance of it is from heaven's perspective, the reign of Saul ends in this chapter. Now, Saul will still pursue many other adventures and in the not too distant future here, David comes on the scene. But the, the hand of the Lord is withdrawn here from Saul over the events of this chapter. So we just look at it. I call it the fall of Saul. And then I came up too early. No. I don't know what I did. It's, uh, it's every time I come into somewhere, it's as though the trumpets want to blare and the, the angels want to flare. And I, I command the presence of music wherever I go. <laughs> okay. Am I ready? We'll find out. To mostly obey is disobedience. Have you ever had to give this lesson to your children? I did most of what you told me to do. But you didn't do the most important thing. Well, but I did most of it. To mostly obey. Well, let's look at this. God's commands are not always easy. This was something that was hard to Saul. Now, you know, I would say for a true servant of the Lord, for him to say something that you should do is kind of a no-brainer. It's just, you do it. Uh, you won't ever, it won't ever cost you something if you completely obey the Lord so here we go. Samuel said to Saul, you always sent me to anoint you to be king over his people uh, over Israel. And now hearken the voice of the words of Yahweh. So said Yahweh of armies or, or Yahweh of hosts. I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid uh, in wait for him on the way when he came up out of Egypt. Now go and you shall smite Amalek and you shall utterly destroy all that is his. And you shall not have pity on him, and you shall slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass, or camel and donkey. So here, he says, uh, Yahweh brings to, his, brings, to his, brings to his memory something that happened a long time ago, but the word had been given that the Lord would bring it back on Amalek. So here the first king of Israel, Amalek, what we understand here is that Amalek continues to be the enemy of God's people. They cannot progress. They cannot live securely as long as Amalek is around. Amalek was a force to be reckoned with. So Saul called the people together. He counted them in Talaim, 200,000 footmen, 10,000 the men of Judah. 
Saul came as far as the city of Amalek and he fought in the valley. Saul said to the Kenite, turn away and go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. And you did kindness with all of the children of Israel when they went up out of Egypt. And the Kenites turned away from amidst Amalek. So Saul forged, uh, he, he, he caused a wedge between Amalek and people that otherwise uh, would have been their confederates. But they saw what they were up against. It's, it's, not, it's not just that the Israelites had so many people in their army, but they were determined. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to say that you're going to fight, but it's another thing to show up to the fight with, with the fight already going on in your heart. You know, nothing's going to turn you away. So this advice was followed by the Kenites, and they turned away from Amalek. But when God says to do something completely, and I go back and look at this, he said, uh, he said to, the, uh, to Saul, utterly, utterly destroy everything about the Amalekites. Have no pity. Man, woman, infant, suckling children, all their... All their animals destroy their economy, completely wipe these people off the face of the earth. This was the command of, of Yahweh. Now, these people were a significant people. They, they had in the economies of the day, and economies in those days were mostly built on on uh, flocks and herds and so forth. These people had a lot of that. So these were, this was, an, this was a, a, a complete economy of a nation. A significant part of the command that the Lord gave to him was he was to kill everything, destroy the economy. Don't, don't take any booty, don't take anything. Leave it all and destroy it. So, the Lord expected Saul to do everything that he told him to do. Saul smote Amalek from Havilah until you come to Shur, which is in front of Egypt. And he seized Agag, the king of Amalek. Now, Agag would be the head of those who are called the Agagites. He didn't kill the king. That was, his first, that was his first mistake. He took him, and the Holy Spirit reminds us, not only did he take him, he took him alive. He completely destroyed all of the people with the edge of the sword. And Saul and the people had pity on Agag and on the best of the sheep and the cattle it seems as though the implication is that Agag the king said, look, you can, what a king, you can destroy my people, you can tear down my palace, just let me live and I'll show you where the money is. I'll show you how to get the money. That's kind of what he's saying here. Had pity on Agag, on the best of the sheep and cattle. Uh, he had pity on the, also on the fatlings, fattened sheep, all that was good. They did not want to destroy them, but everything which was vile and feeble, they utterly destroyed. 
So they kept the best of everything. In that economy, in that day, that was a lot of wealth. Agag could have also served him in other ways, being a king of what was, until this time, a significant nation among the Canaanites. So Saul does not destroy that which he thinks will serve him, which he thinks he can use to his advantage. Therefore, he did not completely obey Yahweh. The vengeance of Yahweh was to destroy all of it. Now, uh, apparently, and, and this is the gospel according to Charles, you can take it or leave it. Apparently, he was permitted to keep some of his harem or somehow had access to a woman anyway because when you get over to yeah, Esther and Queen, that, that's, that's a long time you know when, when you see Esther for example in the time of the Persians the guy that tries to destroy the Jews is Haman and he's an Agagite He's a descendant of Agag. That problem in Esther wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened if Saul had done what Yahweh told him to do. But he didn't. He thought, you know, W.A. Criswell used to talk about back in the days of, of very liberal professors in our Southern Baptist seminaries, he used to describe them like this. He said, some of them think that the Bible is inspired in spots and they're inspired to pick out the spots. Saul was the same way. I'm, you know, I'm inspired to pick out what I like about what Yahweh told me to do, but I'm just going to leave the rest of it like it is. So he rejected, he rejected a significant part of the word of God. Now we're going to see in this story, of course, that God doesn't like that. You can't get away with that. He kept what was beneficial and advantageous for him. Somebody who could, who could give him information on things he'd like to have information on. Somebody who would make him look real important when he puts him on display and carries him in a cage uh, down the city streets and lets, lets people even of the other nations take note that Saul is so great that he destroyed all of the Amal Amalekites but he kept the king and he was this strong to capture the king. Uh, and then probably marched all of his long line of cattle and sheep and oxen and, and, and goats and all. You can see how the pride of Saul swelled to the point that he wanted the people to see how great he was. And he kept that which could enrich him and to, in his mind be advantageous. So remember the book of Proverbs says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. The word of Yahweh came to Samuel saying, I regret I have made Saul king. For he's turned back from following me, and he has not fulfilled my words. And it distressed Samuel, and he cried to Yahweh at all night. 
And Samuel arose early in the morning to meet Saul. It was told to Samuel, saying, Saul has come to Carmel, and behold, he is setting up a place for himself as he passed and went down to Gilgal. So, you know, Saul is business as usual. He's, he's, uh, he's taking advantage of, of the new inventory of animals he has uh, and his, his newfound conf confidence uh, and his pride. So it's like nothing has happened, but it has caused Samuel to be greatly distressed. And he cried out to Yahweh all night. Now remember, Samuel was told by Yahweh to anoint Saul as king. But when this kind of thing happens, of course, even so, Samuel feels personally responsible. Now, understand this. There's a great lesson to be learned across many chapters that cover 1st and 2nd Samuel and, and even others, even the, some of the Psalms and so forth. And it's this, that because Saul was the people's choice, Samuel told them, this could be the worst mistake you've ever made. They still demanded a king. You know the story. You remember the story. Saul was the most handsome of all the men. And he, was, he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Big, tall, strong, handsome Saul. He has bumbled his way through being king even up to this point. He's made poor choices. We've talked about that as we've, as we've studied it. And he, it was never the first thing on his, on his mind to seek the mind of or guidance of Yahweh whenever he did something like go to war, for example. So he has already proven that his heart is not in the right place and he really doesn't know what he's doing being king of Israel. Now, it's one thing to be the king of Amalek or anywhere else, but it is another thing to be the king of God's people, Israel. This is a theocracy. This is nothing else it's a, it's, a, it's a monarchy in a sense with regard to governance, but, but it is a theocracy. And at the top of all of it, prophets, priests, kings, at the top of all of it was Yahweh. And how Yahweh dealt, dealt through prophets and, and priests to speak to the mind of the kings. Saul never was into that game. Saul just uh, was doing his own thing, flying by the seat of his britches. And not really ever grasping on to the importance or the spirituality, the depth of spirituality of being a king over Israel. He was the people's choice. So the great spiritual lesson is that we, we have to be very careful and we have to filter everything in our hearts through God's word. We have to seek in everything God's will. There are examples in the Bible, and the one that I think of most is Abram and Sarai. When, uh, when she told Abram to take her handmaid, Hagar, and he just moves out on his own and uh, decides that he's going to help God accomplish the will of God. May I say, God doesn't need any help in completing 
his plan and his purpose, what he has determined by his will. God will do it. He doesn't need any help. Uh, Here's another case when Saul moves out on his own. So Samuel is greatly distressed and Saul is walking around whistling, uh, branding his animals uh, at that time. We, the only thing that separates us from the rest of the world with regard to the deception of Satan is the word of God and, and in the lives of believers in the New Testament, the presence of the Holy Spirit. If, if Saul shows himself, and he has, already has all the way through his story, and we've seen it, if Saul reveals himself to be someone who is not keenly focused on obeying God's word, but he's sort of happenstance, he just sort of... Uh, Uh, casual about his relationship and the importance of his task as the as the king of Israel this this opens all kinds of doors in his life for sin it's very deceiving in his own mind Saul thought it was a good idea to leave the king alive and to take the best of all the animals and the best of all the flocks and the best of the economy of Amalek because he just probably doubled the economy of his people, especially himself. And all the kings around him would have been so impressed that Saul, this kind of newcomer guy on the block, he, man, he was great and he has enriched himself and he captured the king, put him on display. This whole thing, though, is, is coming from a, from a heart of pride. And we saw a little portion of scripture from Proverbs that pride is what goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. So not being, uh, not being very aware and sensitive to sin... He falls completely open to deception, the deception of his own sin. Now, sin, sin cannot be justified. You may as well just own up to it when the time comes and you falter along the way. Samuel, Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, may you be blessed of Yahweh. Oh, Saul is happy. I have fulfilled the word of Yahweh, told a lie. And that didn't seem like a big deal. You see, when you disregard obedience to the Lord, the next thing gets easy. And the next thing after that gets even easier than that. So it's not a big deal for him to stand right into the face of the prophet And say, I did everything God told me to do. And Samuel said, what then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? This this many sheep and and oxen and all, they would have been making all kind of noise, right? Even, it's almost like Saul had to yell over the sound of the animals to tell Samuel 
that he had done everything the Lord told him to do. I mean, sin is not only deceptive, it becomes delusion. People become delusional and become self-deceived. And, and to be self-deceived is just, oh, that's the worst kind. To become oblivious of sin in your life and then think you can get away with anything and it not even, it not even be a matter that affects you when you just tell an outright lie. And the depth of the lie is that he lied about what he said he did in service to Yahweh. Man, when you engage Yahweh into this kind of thing, you are creating serious problems for yourself. So Samuel responds and says, Son, I can hear the sheep and the oxen. I know what you've done. And Saul said, they brought them from the Amalekites for the people had pity on the best of the sheep and the oxen in order to sacrifice to Yahweh, uh, your God, to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. I did this. I disobeyed Yahweh. <laughs> this is, I, listen, it's funny and it's not really funny. I've known people like this in church. God didn't really know what he was saying in his word. So I kind of went a different route because I knew God would like this better. I've known people like that. And it, it, makes you, it makes you shrivel and shrink in fear for somebody. Well, we made a, we made a, a, a business decision. I know what Yahweh said. But we made a business decision and we knew that this was better. We kept the best of everything and the reason is because we're going to sacrifice all these animals to the Lord your God. To Yahweh Elohim. Ah, but you'll be happy to know the rest of them we utterly destroyed. The feeble and the sick and all those other. We utterly destroyed those but we kept the best ones. And you know what? We did it for the sake of Yahweh. Yahweh really didn't understand when he said, kill them all. Yahweh didn't really know what he was saying. But I figured it out in the interest of Yahweh. Samuel said to Saul, shut up. I shall tell you what Yahweh spoke to me last night. And he said to him, speak. Saul had exchanged contempt for the kindness that God had bestowed upon him in permitting Samuel to anoint him as king. Samuel said, even if you are small in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? Yahweh anointed you as king over Israel. Yahweh sent you on a mission and said, go and you shall utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, or you shall wage war against them until they destroy them. You were not to stop until everything was utterly destroyed. Now, why did you not hearken to the voice of Yahweh? But you flew upon the spoil 
And you did that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh. Why did you not hearken to the voice of Yahweh? The famous scripture, obedience is better than sacrifice. To reject God's word is to join the rebellion against God. Saul said to Samuel, yes, I did hearken to the voice of Yahweh. I did go on the mission on which Yahweh sent me. And I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, alive. And have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. I did it better than what Yahweh wanted me to do it. Yahweh said to do this, but Yahweh didn't really understand. And I had a better way than what Yahweh said. And the people took from the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best, he says, and the best of the band to sacrifice to your God in Gilgal. Samuel said, has Yahweh as much desire in burnt offerings and peace offerings as in obeying the voice of Yahweh? Do you think Yahweh has as much interest in that as he does his word? As in obeying his word? Behold, to obey is better than a peace offering. To hearken is better than the fat of rams. So here's, here's, the, here's the, the deal. Samuel tells Saul that Saul does not have the latitude to make those decisions. In the eyes of Yahweh, his word is to be obeyed. And if you think that you can engage in some kind of self-created worship to Yahweh and you're doing this worship in disobedience to his word, then here's what you need to know. The sacrifice is nothing. Obedience is everything. To obey is better than a peace offering, a sacrifice. And to hearken to the word of God is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion, now here he's telling Saul that he is in rebellion against God. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. And stubbornness is as idolatry. And teraphim, since you rejected the word of Yahweh, he has rejected you from being a king. That's it. Saul toyed with the will of God in his life as king and danced around the word of God and in his self-deception and in disregarding here and in disregarding there, sin became easier. His approach to his office uh, became unbiblical and ungodly, but it seemed right to him. And this is the last straw. 
You are the same as idolaters. You are the same as witches. You have rejected the word of Yahweh. And so he has rejected you from being king. When one collapses into rebellion, it's painful and the consequences are long lasting. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I transgressed Yahweh's command and your words for I feared the people and I hearkened to their voice. Was it really that way? Well, no, it didn't seem to be that way. And now forgive me my sin and return with me and I shall prostrate myself to Yahweh. Samuel said to Saul, I shall not return with you for you have rejected the word of Yahweh and Yahweh has rejected you from being a king over Israel. Yahweh knows your heart. Yahweh knows that you'll pretend to do something special and you'll say these words but you'll go right back and Saul does we'll see it in the rest of his life as we go through the rest of 1 Samuel and we get into 2 Samuel this is who he is so it's over Saul there's nothing you can do you have been rejected from being the king Samuel turned to go and he seized the skirt of his robe and it tore And Samuel said to him, Yahweh has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your fellow who is better than you. And also, Israel will neither lie nor repent, for he is not a man to repent. And he said, I've sinned. Now honor me in the presence of the elders of my people in the presence of Israel and return with me and I shall prostrate myself to the, to the Lord your God. And Samuel returned after Saul and Saul prostrated himself to Yahweh. And Samuel said, bring Agag, the king of Amalek, near to me. And Agag went to him, <laughs> went to him delicately. And Agag said, surely The bitterness of death has turned. And Samuel said, as your sword bereaved women, so will your mother be bereaved among women. And Samuel cut Agag in pieces before Yahweh and Gilgal. And Samuel went to Ramah. Saul went up to his house in Gibeah. Of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. For Samuel mourned for Saul, and Yahweh, Yahweh was, Yahweh relented that he had made Saul reign or king over Israel. The lesson here being that Yahweh is grieved when, his, when those who are supposed to be his servants disregard his word and create their own way. The will of the people, that's the, 
That's the engraving on the tombstone of Saul. He was the people's choice. He was the people's choice. And that always, when we walk that path and seek that path, that always is a, a grievance to Yahweh. We'll stop there and have our deacon prayer time.